you really have to think about, okay, what kind of sound? How am I going to start this? Okay, maybe I have these instruments here, but what does this really mean? How am I going to approach this? So you research that too, and then maybe you learn new tools and new instruments and new ways of putting sounds together and trying to find um, other languages, actually. Languages is a good word for this. Um, you know, sonic languages, other grammars, other technologies playing with algorithm, you know, in this in this scenario. And then, you know, you go through all this crazy wave and then you come to the end and the project's down and then you're already thinking about the next one. And then you feel like you learned so much. And now you're like, you're on top of it. You're so practiced and all the gear that you have and all the studio time. And then the concept, it just takes you sideways. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay, uh, wow. I have to, you know, and then suddenly you have to learn something from scratch. Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions shape our identity and our lives. I'm your host, Pam Schaefer, and our producer is Laura Studeris. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can head over to our Patreon to support us directly and get transcripts of all of our episodes, or you can come hang out with us on your favorite social media platforms, where we can be found under WNB, the podcast. For this week's episode, we got to spend some time with Simone from Soundwalk Collective. I hope that you enjoy our conversation. Yes, I was in New York. We're working with Patti Smith. We're doing a new project for a show at the Centre Pompidou in Paris. Mm -hmm. It's opening in the fall, and we've been working with her on basically the realization of what some of this exhibition is going to be about, which has been fun and intense and beautiful. And then I, uh, well, how I went to Paris, we opened a show at Palais de Tokyo. We did the music for a piece of Halawarde, Lebanese architect, amazing woman, amazing artist. And we did music for her piece. Um, and now I just came back home and I'm going to Rome in a couple of days because actually we have this rotating program at uh, this gallery in Rome where the Lobotic uh, project is being exhibited. Mm -hmm. And we curate a program of events. Uh, we invite a different artists that's been part of this project every month to do either a talk, a conversation, a performance. And on Saturday, we have Charlotte Gansborg. She's coming to have a conversation with the curator. So that's going to be really exciting. <laughs> oh, that makes me sense. Yeah. That literally came out as you said that. Started and the energy of Charlotte Gainsbourg came flooding in. Just permeating. Yes. Everything, of yes. course. <laughs> that's wonderful. And that's, I love that one of the first things that you actually asked me was where I was, because that was the thing that I noticed so much about exploring the world of, of your work was that location is like your biggest collaborator it feels when I was looking at it I was like mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about that about how it feels when you're doing almost these collaborations in these different places like how does mm -hmm. it inform everything that you work on well you know since I started to uh be part of Sandwalk Collective in the very I, I started in 2007 sorry I go a little bit back but yeah 2000, and the first project when I joined there was so much about traveling um, but literally we would go on long recording journeys for months, like three, four months at a time. Uh, the very first project, um, Ulysses Syndrome, is a very experimental project. We took a boat, we worked with a foundation uh, in the Mediterranean Sea, and we decided the idea was to follow the route of Ulysses in the Odyssey. That and so we yeah. went on this crazy journey for three and a half months, trying to hit all the spots where he's been recording sound. It was a whole concept about it, how the Mediterranean is dividing the Mediterranean um, coast, the countries around the coast, but also being the body of water that keeps them together. So it's kind of the separation and sort of union type of in-between area, which is super interesting to explore. And so, yeah, talking about traveling, and it's really like, I feel like, <laughs> traveling it's almost like this 
um, ghostly individual that we collaborate with all the time. Like I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's really part of it. Um, I think, I guess moving continuously and it always allows you to keep perspectives different mm -hmm. and also collaborate with different artists. It's nice to go into their realm, into all their, their geographical places, perhaps be yeah. their routines and be able to sort of enter their spaces, you know, if we're allowed to. And, you know, oftentimes we invite them into our space and oftentimes we like to go into their spaces. And uh, although, you know, it's been quite particular, this collaboration with this last album, Lovatic, it basically all happened during pandemic times. Yeah. We started, um, the first recordings with Charlotte were literally a few days before we left New York. We we're based in New York at the time. Mm -hmm. And we we're literally in studio when all the mayhem is happening and no one's understanding what's going on. And we decided maybe we wanted to leave New York and come back to Europe. And from then on, the, the communication, the collaboration has been online, essentially. You know, he, we would produce music would send over material she would do new takes we shipped her equipment we shipped her a microphone yeah. at that time she couldn't you know it was uncomfortable to leave the house there was different yeah. situations so yeah so that was a different experience um yeah <laughs> that's fascinating because then especially with the theme of the work like in contrast with I love that I love the journey of Ulysses because like the first thing that came to mind I was like well you probably couldn't find Aiea. <laughs> I was like, probably in the one place you couldn't find. I was just like, because mm, Cersei's Island is in us all. Um, but I was thinking of, you know, that in contrast with then this project that had so much to do with then mm. in the love of the virtual that it was crafted in the virtual. I was mm -hmm. like, that's fascinating that circumstances conspired to make it so that you were mm. in that virtual space for, I was like, that's, that's strange serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah yeah I think I mean things just happen I think you know they just happen in unexpected ways I suppose it I think we're a bit in a path of exploring ideas around the future mm -hmm. or possibilities outside our understanding our physical bodies and minds as we know them uh, we just before Lovatic we um, did a project for Louvre Abu Dhabi. It was a sound installation piece. Mm -hmm. um, and we're also exploring, it's basically a, a sound walk, a sound walk, actually, I should say. You're walking um, in the area of the museum under the, uh, the dome. It's mm -hmm. a wonderful architectural creation that instantly makes you think about other worlds <laughs> and, you know, future places or other planets it's so it's so inspiring and Stepan wrote a script uh, for that project and he was really interested to this idea of looking at the future of humanity the museum the Louvre Abu Dhabi is really designed in such a way that um, the galleries and the curator and their program is really beautifully done as you go through the exhibition spaces you explore um, the advancement of um, art from the very beginning of times until today um, but you see it in a different perspective because you see it as all cultures from different parts of the world mm -hmm. progressing together in the making of art. And then you start to see connecting points and bridges between different cultures across the board in maybe the same centuries and the same moments in time. So you have this like Ooh. wonderful progress of human activities in art. And so, and it takes you from thousands of years ago until today. And as you finish the last experience in the last, gallery and then you walk outside into the dome under the dome this beautiful piece of architecture and so we wanted to create something that it's almost like a continuing line so you finish them you arrive at the times of today and then with our sound piece we take you into the future looking back at civilization wow. and I feel like Lobotic happened at a moment in time it was almost like a sequel of that in a certain way. We're still with our minds in that process of thinking about us look, 
looking at us from a future perspective and you know trying to get into that position and Lobotic has been really an expansion of that in some ways definitely in the realm of you know sexuality and intimacy but it's really about the idea of putting yourself in the future and you can looking back at yourself today and by looking at yourself from this different perspective trying to understand what we're all about when it comes to sexuality and identity and who we are and and if we really feel right in the place that we think we are today. Um, well, and that brings in, like, I was like, that was seven sentences colliding in my mind. <laughs> I always go into this, like, large. Oh, no, I am a very, I'm a very galaxy brain kind of thinker. And so everything you were saying, I was like, I was like, okay, I, I want to hold on to that constellation of ideas. I want to hold on to that constellation of ideas. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> there's all the different pieces coming together. And hilariously, um, my boyfriend just called, like, while that was happening, I looked down uh -huh. and I saw, like, his face show up on my phone. And I was thinking of him while you were speaking, even of uh -huh. being in that dome, because he, he does sound mixing. And he's uh -huh. experimenting with spatial mixing currently. Oh, wow. Um, and I was I was actually thinking about that in that space of like how you could play with the sound to play with not only like the physical space that you're in, but it creates a different psychological space if you can actually have the different mm. pieces coming from. And I didn't know if you did anything like that in regards to like when you were mixing the sound. That was one mm. of the questions of the seven that sprang up. Um, <laughs> like when you're doing that for the sound walk and for installations mm -hmm. like that, are you being like, I guess what's your process about when you are placing sounds in different ways? Like, yeah, tell me more about that. And then, and then I'll get to the other seven. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it, it kind of taps into a specialization and about somehow you're relating to sound, to sound in a more physical way. Honestly, you know, well, in that specific occasion of the Louvre Abu Dhabi, you know, the piece uh, was created for headphones. Oh. And so people were walking with headphones under the dome and you have, you know, over a half hour, 40 minutes, you explore this narrative that takes you to reflect, mm. you know, around the script that was interpreted by different actors, Charlotte as well, and William Defoe again, and Wim Wenders in German. We had different actors in different languages. Um, but when it comes, so, well, in that case, it's really beautiful because you really play with the idea of the voice inside your head because you're yeah. really so close and you can be so intimate. So you have a bit of a different perspective, even if you're like inside the space, somehow you can do, you can play with sound in a physical way and in a very touchy, very evocative way. You can make it very intimate. Yeah. Um, but back to specialization, I mean, a beautiful opportunity that we just had, for example, with this Lobotic project is the exhibition that, so we opened an exhibition at Forof um, in Rome in January, a um, couple months before the album came out. Um, and it's, Forof is a new space, um, an exhibition space in Rome, uh, curated by the curator of the Maxi Contemporary Art Museum. And uh, it's actually born as an archeological site. Inside that space, they found ruins of a Roman basilica 2000 years ago. So they found the original marbles. So wow. they decided to open the space up as an, as an art, as an art space, basically as a museum. Wow. And uh, they, we were the first artists that were invited to do a site specific piece. Oh. And for us it was really interesting because you know, in that specific space, I'll, I'll get to the specialization <laughs> in a minute. In that specific space, you come, get in touch with, um, you know, the origins of human society, humankind. You look back at humans yeah. 2,000 years ago. And for us, it was so interesting to bring Lobotic in that place because we do exactly the same, but in the future. We project ourselves in the future and look back at humanity today the same way that today we're looking back at the humans that we were. And by looking back, you look at you know, all these topics that we unveiled for this project. And the cool thing about that space is that, you know, we created an immersive sound installation. You have to uh, walk one floor underground mm -hmm. and then you walk through these corridors and you enter this beautiful big room where you see the original marbles and the ruins. Mm. And you're really in a place back in time, but the way we position Lobotic inside of that 
specific physical space. Suddenly you lose sense of time and space. You don't know if you're 2000 years ago or 2000 years from now or where you are and in which place geographically speaking, are we on this planet? Are we somewhere else? Mm. And um, specialization is amazing. We had all these speakers coming from the ceilings of different heights. Yes. And uh, you have these voices of Charlotte and the other artists that are collaborating that are sort of calling and displacing all these texts and narratives. Um, I guess, I don't know if that answers your question somehow, but in some ways, I guess, you know, installations are the real possibilities where you can use sound, I feel like, in a physical way and using, playing with perception and playing with sonic holograms in a certain way and sort of with perceived sound and imaginary sound. Um, and this project was just so perfect to allow us to get into all these layers because there's so, there's so much of, you know, the voice in this project is so important. It's really like an oracle. It's like a portal, mm. a different space in time or to a different, in this case, artificial mind. And, yeah. and the voice is continuously moving between uh, places, identities, perhaps, and you always perceive it in a different way and it's always talking to you. So working with that in a, in a three-dimensional space is fantastic. That's what's uh, so fascinating to me about what you said also, not just with like the technological uh, specification, but also like adding the dimension of time to space um, because that's a really interesting thing to play with. Like, I love that perspective of like, you could be looking 2000 years back or 2000 years forward. Um, I think of what someone once said to me where they were like, you know, if you're looking for your best advice, look to yourself in the future. What would yourself in the future say to you? And so wow. sometimes I imagine like the me in the future, but it's funny because even in my mind's eye, the me in the future looks alarmingly like the me now. Um, <laughs> And so I've, I've always been like, time's a little bit of a squishy concept. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. go on. It, it's no, it's no, I mean, uh, you just make me think that how um, when you said you were trying to imagine yourself in the future, it's incredible how we have such an inability to do that. Obviously, it's so difficult to imagine you know, the, the future, and, you know, if Stefan would be here, he would say, you know, the future doesn't exist. It's a product of the mind. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, and the past maybe as well, you know, in, in a different sort of, in a different level, you know, we only know the now and then the rest is just projections of our imagination. <laughs> yes. I was just <laughs> like, one is future holograms, the other is past holograms. <laughs> they're all yeah, yeah yeah and that's and that's fascinating to look to look forward and back at the same time and especially like it's such I don't know I feel like it's a pivotal point because this is really the first era where we have been able to connect virtually in this way and I find mm. the virtual space fascinating I mean even currently we're connecting virtually despite the fact that like we began speaking of where we are physically it's like yeah. we've crafted this little virtual bubble for about mm. an hour this exists and then like it's really yeah. strange sometimes when I don't know if you have this feeling but when I hang up a zoom call it's almost uh. like I feel like I've burst a little bubble <laughs> it's like a little soap yeah. bubble is like boop, and like that thing doesn't yeah. exist again yeah and it's interesting to create art within that yeah um yeah definitely um yeah no I was just thinking while you were saying that that you know this said it's funny how the first question that we like I just did with you today first question that we ask each other it's like oh so where are you <laughs> also because <laughs> considering what happened in the past two years people change locations and you know we're all still yeah. so it's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you have lost the thread of the question you were going for. <laughs> it's funny because I, someone asked me one time, they're like, what's the format of your podcast? And I'm like talking to people and they're like, no, but what's the format? I was like, that is the format. <laughs> That's, that is the whole format. It is a conversation. Because how often do you get to have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation that's just a focused conversation? Oftentimes there's so many things happening around us, even like I was interrupted prior to even hopping on the Zoom call, that it's so yeah. rare that you get to just be like, no, we're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... that's really what it is. Yeah. 
that's no that's actually that's yeah and that's really pretty amazing as well um because you you creating this space where you know you're feeling that we're here together discussing different you know topics but without necessarily and 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 um a scope and or an or a specific end it's just like we're being here together and sharing the space yeah it had started with, and the reason I was drawn to to your work in particular is that it had started with people who do multiple things, hence the title, Why Not Both? Um, mm. But the more I spoke to people, the more I learned, like, I don't think I've met really a unidimensional person. I think we have this illusion of a unipassionate or unidimensional person. And so far, I don't think they exist or I haven't met them yet. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if they're out there. If they're out there, contact me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to elaborate so on this. One. <laughs> yeah, because that's what was, uh, what was so compelling is that your work drew together so many different things. And even as you're speaking about it, you're collating all of this information about about space and about time and about different artists and about different eras mm -hmm. and even like the formats that you're speaking of change project to project yeah. and I was like that's fascinating like yeah yeah we're, we really do I feel like you know the funny thing is that in every project that we get into it's funny you know you go for a project it could take like Lobotic took maybe uh I don't know three years you know and you really go for a journey and you go for so much. You get really in touch with things, personally. Sometimes you go too far. <laughs> I don't know, but you also learn so many things. You know, you you because you study. You know, one of the first um, one of the first aspects of our production. So when Stefan is the one that conceives the idea, the ideas is the visionary mind. And so, as soon as he has something in mind, the first thing he does is like ordering books. So you'll see boxes and boxes of books coming to the studio, like endless books everywhere and then start the research is starting and so you get so much in touch with things and then you learn about things that you didn't know or you pro or you process them you see them in a different way and then that comes worse in his uh, part of the process then together we turn that we transfer that into music but when you work on music you know working on projects that are so concept based um you really have to think about, okay, what kind of sound? How am I going to start this? Okay, maybe I have these instruments here, but what does this really mean? How am I going to approach this? So you research that too, and then maybe you learn new tools and new instruments and new ways of putting sounds together and trying to find um, other languages, actually. Languages is a good word for this. Um, you know, sonic languages, other grammars, other technologies playing with algorithm, you know, in this in this scenario, and then you know, you go through all this crazy wave, and then you come to the end, and the project's down, and then you're already thinking about the next one, and then you feel like you learned so much, and now you're like you're on top of it, you're so practiced, and all the gear that you have, and all the studio time, and then the concept it just takes you sideways, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay, uh, wow. I have to, you know, and then suddenly you have to learn something from scratch. Some things apply, some things don't. And it's really been like this. It's really, really been like this, you know, for the whole time that we've been working together, honestly. Projects are connected, like, you know, projects that are realized back to back. Mm -hmm. They're clearly connected. But if I look at the first one and the last one, there's, I mean, it's, it's such a big difference in, yeah. in so many ways, you know. Um, yeah, in, in the way they're realized, in the way they're thought, in the way, you know, uh, yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they're conceived, they're presented, they're recorded, um, you know, and yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I love that, I love that you can kind of track your adventure by these little like station points of the of the real life projects but if you looked at say like project one and then this project you'd be like wait how did I get from there <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you're like what what dance something you like this. I follow? <laughs> like, where... <laughs> yeah some something like this actually <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting to think about about 
I love that it starts with a box of books. Um, this is the room where all of my instruments are. The other room in, in my home is where all of the books are. So it's just mm -hmm. like, mm, box of books speaks to me. Um, <laughs> but so does pile of instruments. Um, and I was like, gosh, what what did you, I guess like what came to you for Levotic specifically because it, you know, it, it was virtually geographic. And so I was like, oh, how interesting. Like what tools came to you in, in that project? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, things come to us always in a bit of an organic way. And then you kind of listen to the signals and you try to follow them and you hope that they lead you into the right direction or what you think may be right. But um, so like I was saying earlier, we were, you know, we're in New York and we're in the process of moving, you know, pandemic started. We're like moving back to Europe, trying to find a place where we're going to be together, that we can actually work together, knowing that all the countries are closing down and which passport you have and which passport I have and my wife. And, you know, oh, whatever. my God. It's a logistic. So all of that. And so what we did is that we basically packed uh, the gear that we had in a couple of cases. It was mostly modular synthesizers and a bunch mm -hmm. of other tools. And that's what we traveled with. Um, and so we relocated and that's all we had. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but it turned out that it was actually uh, quite of a new setup that we were working on. And, um, and so that became, that really became the... Uh, the, the 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 sort of the the initial tools that we used to experiment with and it turned out that it was actually a really great uh, approach for this project to explore uh with you know <clears throat> maybe i should i should do a step back most of our recent work up until mm, up until this project has elements of electronic instruments but never that much it's always been combined there's always a lot of field recordings our work has always been around field recordings yeah yeah going to places and recording sound and collecting huge libraries and trying to find sound actually had you know special meaning and and, and sort of could really work in the concepts we're working with and then you know in the projects that we did recently with patty smith there's a lot of acoustic instrumentation as well because the concepts took us there, you know. Yeah. In yeah. Afto in the north of Mexico and working with the Raramori Indians from the Sierra and what instruments they use and it's self-made instruments. And, Ooh. and so <laughs> I was just like bookmarking my head, tell me more about that, but keep talking. I was just like, oh my God, I want to know more about that one. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> And so those projects, they're really acoustic in nature. There, there is electronic instrumentation, but it's always very acoustic sounding, very warm. There's some physical moments, but it's it's primarily an acoustic, like, how should I say, like, yeah, like a, not, not a synthetic experience. Right. I was going to say the, the tactile, but also the, like the tactile and geographical and cultural are all kind of, that was, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And basically, when we came to this project, it's funny how all we carried in these two luggages were modular synthesizers that we could take. And suddenly we're working on this like project that's, you know, projected so much into the future. And we find ourselves having, for the first time, actually no field recording present in the whole project. It's actually the first project ever that we did that has actually no field recording. And um, and so it's born in so much more of a synthetic way. And I like how my brain went, but you did get field recordings. You just got field recordings of the synthetic nature. Like that's their field. I was like, that's, that's where they hang out. <laughs> you got it from the field of the sine waves. I was just like, yeah, that's what I was. <laughs> like... Yeah, Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> No, very true, actually. <laughs> like, I want to go where the sine waves live. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we travel to, somewhere. <laughs> They're my favorite of all the waves. I mean, you got to get a good sine wave in there occasionally, but the sine waves, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just pure tones and, you know, yes. so synthetic and so yes. real. I love that that's what you grabbed. I just imagine like most people ask like, you know, oh, if something's on fire, like what are the things that you grab? I'm like, you grabbed your suitcase of the modulars. <laughs> like, it's an emergency. We got to get them. <laughs> the 
the biggest panic of that moment was literally like, how are we going to be able to work? Yes. <laughs> Where yes. are we going to go and how are we going to be able to work? You know, and, you know, and Steph is always, he's always thinking, you know, he's always, we have this kind of duality. I, I, he's, he's always looking at all the possible scenarios. I'm always looking at the bright side of things. Oh, it's going to be fine. And he's like, no, hold on. <laughs> This can happen and that can happen and we got to be prepared. So combination of these two things, you know, yep. actually, yep. actually his, 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 his approach here was actually really helpful because he was able to arrange the situation where we could be for the next four months in case whatever happened. Yeah. Yeah. You got to bring um, my friends joke about this in my personality. They call it the Jewish mom vibes. Like you got to be prepared. <laughs> That's usually yeah. like, do you have a jacket? Do you have a snack? Do you have like, you got, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I like that he brings that. And I like that it's so interesting listening to also like the dynamic of, of your collaboration with each other. I always love talking to people about that because it's like, sometimes I find in bands or collectives or, you know, any kind of collaboration, sometimes it's like one person brings the practicality, the other person brings like the vibes, or it's like one person brings the ideas and like the other person is like, oh, I know how to execute that. But it sounds like in a way the two of you trade off really well. Like, I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think, I really do think we have, a, 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 we actually, I really think we have a really complementary nature. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're aligned in the sense that you know, we're driven towards same things aesthetically and conceptually, you know, but we really operate in different ways. And it's yeah. amazing and lucky to see how the different ways we operate actually will really work well with each other because we, we really have things that the other person doesn't have, generally speaking. Yeah. And then we come together in studio and also in the studio, that's kind of what happens, you know. We yeah. do things in very different ways. And so the cool thing about that is that the other person's bringing ideas that you would actually never think of, <laughs> you know? You'd be like, oh, wow, what, what, what happened here? How, you know, <laughs> never approach that in that way, you know, and vice versa. And then you get really surprised. Yeah. And then, you know, you, and then, yeah, you, you kind of explore things in that way. It's really interesting. It's challenging. Because you are working oftentimes with things that maybe are outside your maybe natural territory. You're like, okay, maybe I would approach this that way. And then suddenly you discover that, you know, it, it takes you out of the comfort zone. And this is actually amazing yes. for creative work. Yes, that that feeling of I would have never done it that way, but I'm very excited by it. <laughs> like Yeah, and, and and basically also realizing that, you know, coming to terms with different ways of doing things. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, that basically. Like, but you said earlier something about, you know, talking about the duos and the yeah, primarily I think you mentioned, you know, in one of your examples one has this idea and the other person's executing. We have a bit of that yeah. in, in the general, you know, um, in the general nature that we both have. Stefan is coming with, with, a lot of, with a lot of concepts and research and ideas and figuring out who to collaborate with and creating all that kind of sort of umbrella. And then we discuss ideas together and I start to experiment with things when I have something and bring it to the table. And then we join forces and, you know, we continue production together. So it's interesting <laughs> that and then with all the traveling like you had mentioned I was just like I bookmarked in my head the self-made instruments because you're even saying like you know on each of these projects you learn new instruments but I was like tell me more about that because I'm like I'm just curious I'm like what what kinds of instruments were these how do you play them what does it sound like <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, in the end, there, there are probably versions of instruments that we already know, um, but specifically, um, specifically, this was the first project in a series of three trilogy mm -hmm. of albums that we did with Patti Smith the past few years, and it's called the Peyote Dance, um, and it is inspired by Antonin Artaud's uh, period in the Sierra Tarahumara in northern Mexico, so Wow. He left in 1936 and he went to live in a cave up in the northern Mexico in this place called Sierra Tarahumara. I don't know how he got there. And he lived among the Raramuri Indians 
And um, these people, wonderful people, they, <clears throat> one of the centers of their culture is spirituality and spiritual ceremonies mm -hmm. and music and dancing and peyote and, 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 and other sort of uh, substances. Um, <clears throat> and Antonine Artaud, you know, by spending time there, uh, our understanding, our thought is that he was able to, you know, by going so far into someone else's culture, you transcend yourself and you transcend mm -hmm. your own culture, you transcend the borders, physical and mental. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is one of the angles that we took when we started to explore this project. We looked at the travels of Artaud, Rambo and Domal, these three French poets mm -hmm. um, that are very close to, you know, Patty's very close to them and very inspired by their work throughout her career and life. And, and so we looked at these, these wonderful artists and what happened to them and the idea of travel and exploration and geography and how that maybe back in time was already, you know, tapping into the idea of, of, of you know, of clearing, of erasing borders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, physical or mental, like I was saying, but going back to the specificities of um, the self-instruments of the Alamore Indians, they, they would build their own instruments for their rituals and practices. And so, um, you know, from certain variations of guitar or their own self-made violins, which is very specific sound, then you have, they have this instrument called the chapareque, which is essentially a long piece of a stick of wood with a few strings attached, and you have to um place your um your lips very close and they use the mouth as a resonance mm -hmm. so while you block it there's a vibration into the lips and the mouth and it creates a resonance that gives this kind of and then you move your mouth making a kind of wow 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 and that's and you're giving oh the shape God, you're like a human theremin <laughs> yeah kind of <laughs> you're more metallic and stringy but yeah very very they're all instrument the way they use them they produce such entrancing entrancing sounds you know oh. and so but aside from those instruments and there's more there's different types of this well of course there's tribal drums beautiful handmade and hand-painted drums and mm -hmm. um there's um there's different kinds of bells and um you know that they use but then there's also objects that they use in these rituals and ceremonies and you know they make sound, you know, for example, one of the main rituals uh, in the ceremony is the, um, has a specific name that doesn't come to me now, but it's a way to crush the peyote with mm -hmm. a specific tool called the raspa, which mm -hmm. is a stick of wood that has some dents. Mm -hmm. And then there's a specific bowl that they use and that's how they prepare the, the, the plant. And, um, and all those things make super interesting sounds. Yes. Something becomes a rhythm and then there's the rocks and then there's the leaves and then there's the horse and then there's the chants that they make. And so it becomes a really uh, super interesting entrancing and hallucinatory sonic journey that we try to translate into this album and Patty channeling the mm -hmm. words of Arto. Um Yeah. It's strange that this is the third time that Antonin Artaud has come up in conversation casually in the last week in my life. I'm like, hmm, okay, all right, I see you. <laughs> Not usually a common one to pop up. So I'm like, yeah. maybe I need to uh, delve back in to his work. Um, <laughs> it's like, interesting. Um, and I was wondering, have you, have you heard, uh, or worked at all with, uh, the artist, John Hopkins? He just made an album, um, music mm -hmm. for psychedelic therapy. That's mm -hmm. actually in, in a way, like similarly, uh, crafted in concept, but very different in execution. And I was like, right. oh, do you two know of one another or know each other? I was just like, yes, yes. <laughs> I, mean, I know of him, but I don't know this, this album. And I'm just going to go and I'm just going to go right into it right next, right after yes. this. I was just like, Thank you for the gift here. Yes, it was fascinating. I got to speak with him about his process that he also like for the album did um, record in very specific places and, and use space and, and ceremonial space in a similar way. And so I was just like, I wonder, I was like, how do I get all of you in the same room? <laughs> 
Like, oh, that would be amazing. I feel as though you have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, it's fascinating to me to create, create even like ceremonial and psychological space for things in that manner. Um, like I, I actually have like a group therapy practice. Like that's when I'm not um, doing this or uh, doing that. Um, I also do therapy and I just hired someone in my practice that does psychedelic integration work. And so hearing even about you in a way, sonically recreating that space, like I'm so excited to be able to share that with her because she was talking to me about like creating ceremonial space in general for um, like for plant medicine work. And that in some ways, like the Western world has imposed like the Western medicinal view on it, uh, which really just <clears throat> is the only way I know how to say that. It's just kind of like taking something interesting and 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 flattening it into one strata and making it not work correctly. Um, and so I'm going to have to share all this music with her because I think she'll find that so interesting. She was talking even about how to craft sonic space and and emotional space within ceremony space mm -hmm. um and without because i do think that if you aren't from a culture i like what you said about that arto literally like because my first thought i was just like i wonder what they thought of of arto when he first went to the cave they were like hmm, what's that guy doing over there <laughs> and he's, he seems chill <laughs> he doesn't yeah. mean any harm maybe we'll say hi to the man in the cave <laughs> But it's like you want to be careful not to accidentally like put on the costume of another culture in a way, but to, you know, to, like you said, transcend oneself and transcend the idea of that and, and tap into more of the universal. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's tricky. I mean, inevitably, you know, <clears throat> I get, you know, I believe that we all inspire each other and, and especially you come in touch with realities that are far from yours you know, there's so much place for inspiration. And I think that's what really happened to us when we got in touch, you know, when we get in touch with, 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 the, with, the, with the people that we collaborate in these many projects. And oftentimes there is, there is just so much that is unexpected. And like I was saying earlier, you find yourself in someone else's space, physical, mental, spiritual, and it's really a gift to be able to, to be there, to be accepted into that space. And if you are able to be open to it and to listen, I think there's just so much that that can give you. Um, and that's a form of collaboration already, this kind of exchange, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, is a, that really is a gift when someone welcomes you into their space like that because it's it's vulnerable like letting someone into your space like I remember reading about even when um oh gosh I wish I had the book in front of me so I could cite it correctly but uh, Michael Polan's book How to Change Your Mind where he was talking about the people who were visiting um, people performing ceremony that um, initially like one of the one of the women that was guiding ceremony was inviting people in to like see what happened mm -hmm. but then um, I believe it was like National Geographic someone wrote an article about it that popularized it in the western world that then led to like a lot of the research that then mm -hmm. went on in the 60s that then she perceived it as like that she had actually brought this horrible curse into like mm. yeah, that she had ruined it somehow by inviting people in and what it spoke to mm -hmm. me of is like that if someone does invite you in, it's to have like the utmost respect for that. Like you don't want to yeah. walk into someone's house and just like, you know, be like, oh, cool. I really like that vase. I'll take it home with me. Bye. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like... yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just had to think of um, the work of Vincent Moon. Um, do you know him? No. He's, a, he's a French filmmaker and he, um, we collaborated on a project some years ago and he has been documenting uh, ritual practices that primarily involve music to some form um, since ever, basically. And with very low, sort of with very, um, not necessarily high-end equipment or crazy cameras, just very simple stuff. And he travels like 
<laughs> no one else I know, honestly, because it's going literally to the corners of the world mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to encounter um, tribes and different peoples that live in different ways. And it's the, his work is very inspiring because he's, it's, it's, it's documented in a very, you really feel like you're inside yeah. what you see, you're together with these people. And he's able to create that bridge and he's able to be accept, to, to be accepted somehow and, 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 and be able to carry out this collaborative documentation of what's happening and transfer that to the people who actually watch his films. So oftentimes he does screening, he's constantly traveling and doing screenings all over the place. Of different things that he's been filming <clears throat> and for that moment you're i mean you're entranced it's entrancing and you you really get in touch with um with practices that you would honestly i feel like i i would probably not never know of and and i think it's beautiful that there's a possibility to do that as well yeah. and knowing that it's a very fine line and it's you know when you when you you know, when you enter other people's spaces, it's delicate and it could take different consequences and different meanings. And I think he's been able to work tastefully and his, his work is inspiring also for, 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 for because of that way that he does it. Um, yeah, I mean, if you have the chance to look at Vincent Moon. Yeah, Vincent Moon. I was just beautiful. like, Vincent, I'm gonna keep repeating it to myself so I remember his name because I love what you said about even the ritual of sound. I was speaking with, with my boyfriend about this because we were talking about how he had never really experienced, like now he, he goes every week because he does sound for um, Shabbat services for one of the mm -hmm. organizations in Los Angeles that they, mm -hmm. and they use a lot of, like the first time I went to their services, they use a lot of unusual cadences in some of like the traditional prayers and some of the songs. Like there were some that like, you know, I had heard before, but there were some that I actually hadn't. And so I was researching like all the different things that they were doing. And I found it fascinating. And he finds it fascinating too, because he's like, people are coming together in a way for this ritual of sound, because for the most part, people aren't fluent in Hebrew. Um, they might memorize like what the prayers mean in, in certain cases. But other than that, it's like, you're coming all together to mm. have this sonic ritual every week. Mm. And, and he and I were talking about how fascinating that is. And we're like, why do people need sonic ritual? What's the meaning of that? Why do we do this? Um, and I was curious now, like that you mentioned the documentary, I was like, do you have any like sonic rituals or what does it feel like to you when you're engaging in that? Yeah. Well, I'm, as you were speaking about this, you, you, you tapped into the idea of the, the, uh, what happens when you don't understand the language, you know, and how you perceive that. And you, I think it's really amazing because it's an amazing experience because the voice, the sound and the voice, they, they really become something, something else. Um, you know, they could carry so many other meanings and they could, it could have, voice can have so much other, um, it can be used for so many other things, not just express uh, a, a message through the meaning of a word, you know? Oh. Um, I did have to think about a bit about Lobotic as well because you know the way Stefan put together the scripts and this text and this kind of the way they're rearranged in a way that you know maybe makes sense and maybe not quite you sometimes you follow the meaning maybe you make sense maybe a sentence makes sense it takes you somewhere a group somewhere a group of sentences mm -hmm. and then maybe maybe it doesn't and the voice just remains as a voice mm -hmm. and there are one specific track um reverse discourse um oops, sorry we um, Less, no worries. <laughs> with, we worked with um you know we work with Lyra Pramuk on this album and um she performs on this track reverse discourse and it was so we had this amazing studio session which, which actually was a total ritual by itself mm. and, and it was the first time that we've met in person she comes to studio in Berlin we exchange and then, you know, about the ideas and where we want to go. And then she goes to the mic and it's amazing because her first um, instinct was to produce sound and trying to, uh, utilizing her voice um, in an in unintelligible way, meaning, oh, am I saying this? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like not, not using words. words that they don't have a meaning or give yes. a feeling that they're read backwards or just playing with that idea. Yes. And 
that was amazing in the context of what we're doing because in this project is so much about the voice mm-hmm. and it kind of becomes a ritual in itself when there's repetition when there's like there's a lot of repetition repeating words it's like little mantras popping up you know in the first track um atom tm added this little line at the end playing off some from words that william defoe is performing on the track which is um william is talking about number zero future and atom tm jumps in and he makes a mantra Mm. zero uh, zero one love future and the voices the words they overlap each other and they change orders and it becomes like the sonic mm-hmm. mantra mm-hmm. and then lara is doing something similar in that territory with her voice mm-hmm. but she's much more operatic and you have the feeling that the voice is like on a backward reverb or going backwards and she's doing all these words that actually have no meaning yeah. and all this are experiments are so evocative because they really expand your perception in that moment because you stop listening to certain things and you listen to other things yeah you know and I think I'm not sure but I think that maybe there's nothing else that can be so um so intimate and so direct like the human voice yeah you know or the voice in general um and so powerful and how that can really you know maybe just the tonality can have a certain can transfer a certain feeling or message or intention you know maybe there is a sense of intimacy or arousal maybe um the words take you somewhere completely different or but the tonality takes you in a colliding place it's very interesting to play with that and that's been one of the most interesting elements of this of the, the realization of this album as well the, presence of the voices and how everyone's coming together Paul Preciado is taking you in a it's you know he's the intelligible voice he's yeah you know reading a text and interpreting a text and and he's using meaning and he's taking you in, in a philosophical plane outside of you know the expected um you know uh with words um and with two different languages english and spanish mm-hmm. so everyone's kind of using the voice in a, in a very different way yeah. and you have all these layers and complexities um and this depth that are being created and some are more human some are more non-human or whatever we think that might be and and you're in this constant place of exploration and constantly invited by these artists spaces yeah which is quite special yeah <laughs> yeah yet again it, it goes back to what we were speaking of at the beginning of like kind of playing with space time and and mm. with perspective that it's like using using the human voice but like if it's in the location of you know the sign field it's like it's so interesting tying all of that together because and I really like what you said about that the human voice can evoke meaning beyond like the meaning of words, which obviously that has its own meaning. Um, but like the way that you used people's voices to evoke spiritual, emotional, like all of those meanings that even if someone doesn't know what the words mean, or in particular, if they're if they're almost recognized as phonemes, but aren't words. Like I love that Yonsi does that in, in Sigaros that he created, I think he called it Hopelandic, where it was like based right. on kind of like Icelandic phonemes, but it's not, it's not Icelandic. Um, and I think that's so interesting when people do that because as someone who, like I said, I love the piles of books. <laughs> so there's a part of me that almost like clings to words as a life raft being like, yes, but then I'll understand. And it's that, it's that feeling of it's okay if you don't understand this. You sometimes don't need the pile of books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, when you mention Yonsi, you know, it's fun. I had to think. It's it's amazing what you said. It's so true. So inspiring. And it's funny how, you know, I mean, I had a huge cigarros phase <laughs> some time ago, and you know, you you get to um, you know you sing along. Yes. <laughs> make sound you know you listen to the you know and because it's so emotional that's what you have to do you listen to the music and you know the voice is going to do that and it's going to take you there and you just go along with it whatever you think that may be you just do it and that's the way that you connect 
most strongly with in 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 a case the the music uh, and 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 the emotion that it transfers to you um yeah yeah and that, it's, powerful. it's beautiful and and even thinking about cigaros in, in general i feel like i actually did understand the music more when i finally actually did go to reykjavik and i went to iceland it's like I finally, there was something that like clicked. It was like a little tumbler clicked in my head where like, of course, like I resonated with it before, but then understanding the location where it came from and same with like, I was obsessed with Bjork when I was a teenager. Like it was like understanding being there, it felt different. And I was like, oh, oh, it's like the feeling of the music. I was like, I get it now here. Wow. <laughs> like... wow! I actually, I yeah, I'm a bit envious because I would, I would have, I would love to go there, and I've been really wanting to go there. And when I lived in New York in the beginning, I actually had a lot of Icelandic friends, and they're all amazing musicians. Yes. Um, some became extremely famous, and they were not at the time. So it's also beautiful to see that. Yeah. And um. It had a huge fascination because of that. I don't know organic connection that happened. I ended up, you know, having a lot of Icelandic friends when I was in New York, and always be surrounded by music. Yes. And um, first time I met Bjork, I was actually on a layover in uh, Reykjavik, and yes. uh, I was a kid, and she's in front of me uh, in the in the queue outside of the plane. I was like. <gasps> How do I do this? <laughs> you know, yeah, I didn't do anything. Right? That's I, but I just saw it all happen in my head. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love. I I know that someday I'm going to awkwardly be in one of the pools in Reykjavik and just see Bjork from afar and be like. <gasps> Um, <laughs> Reykjavik is like a tiny town I forget that because like I, I visited I went to airwaves a few years ago and just uh-huh. fell in love with the location and also fell in love with the people there like much like you I actually have like several good friends in Iceland now and it's it's fascinating to me that it's such a musical culture but it's it's like the music is just folded in it's not like seen as like extraordinary to be a musician sure. of course you're a musician and also you built a house and also maybe you're an engineer and like here's this fish that you prepared like it's like it's just seen as you know you just do yeah. that stuff um and one of my friends said to me they were like well there's not that many people here if you're gonna do something like you just have to do it <laughs> like, work together with someone else to do it right. there's no one else around and so right. I was like oh I hadn't thought of it that way <laughs> yeah. but it's I love I love their musical culture so much because it just it's very informed by where they are it's informed by isolation but it's informed by the fact that like people do come visit their country because it's perceived as like this alien landscape and in a way it kind of is because it's so geographically isolated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but just I love I love working on music with my Icelandic friends because they're they're kind of down for anything <laughs> yeah no i would i mean i would i would love to experience iceland but mostly like probably for the reason that you just described this kind of connection i don't know somehow there is some kind of connection between the landscape and the music and as simple as that may sound and and uh, as you know as simple as that may sound I, I think you know i have the impression there is something there <laughs> I would, that, love, you know, happens in that I would way. love for you to go like simply because of everything you've been talking about. I was like, oh, the interaction between you and Iceland. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> like, okay, we'll put it in the book for the next round. Yes, yeah, so I was just like, I'm flinging you into Iceland. <laughs> it, was, it was walking along the harbor that like, I remember even reflecting on like Bjork's song, like the anchor song and like even thinking about um, where she's singing and oh, what song is it? It's hyper ballad where she's like throwing the items off the cliff so that she remembers yeah. she's in love with someone. Um, like until I actually like was in those places, I mean it, like I got the emotion of it, but I didn't get it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then being there, it's like, oh, Mm-mm-mm-mm. okay <laughs> like... it kind of goes back a little bit to where we started today um 
with the idea of the traveling and having to be there and ah. just you know sometimes that's just how you have to do it you know ah. uh, to just really be in touch you just have yeah. to fling yourself into the place mm. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being so generous with your time in this in this virtual. No, thank you so much. (laughs) See the lights have dimmed a little bit. (laughs) Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Thank you.